I can trust him for apple pie and the sweet by and by, but living today, hmm, that's going to be hard. This is where our faith comes in. The just shall live by his faith. If you trust him with your eternity, can you trust him with today? Hmm. Mm, that's harder, isn't it? That's today on It's Time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily teaching ministry of Pastor Mike Kessler from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. It's been a short stay in the book of Habakkuk, but today Pastor Mike will be finishing our study, The Just Shall Live by Faith, chapter 2, verse 4 of this book, and the central theme. But do you trust God? Do you live by faith? With more, here's Pastor Mike. Verse 4, behold the proud. Take a look. Check out the proud, he says. His soul is not upright in him. There's something wrong within a prideful person. They don't see life correctly. And so therefore, when they don't see life correctly, they make demands based upon their perception of themselves rather than upon the truth of God's word. Now again, the just shall live by faith. Now, one question then. How how does the just live by faith? Knowing that God's in control. Now, if I recognize that nothing happens to me without the watchful eye of God, if I live that way, if you really live that way, let me ask you this question. Do you believe that when you die, Jesus is going to take you to heaven? Uh Uh-huh. Good. That's great. Next question. If you trust him with your eternity, can you trust him with today? Hmm. Mm, That's harder, isn't it? I can trust them for apple pie and the sweet by and by, but living today, hmm, that's going to be hard. Because you see, but this is where our faith comes in. The just shall live by his faith. Now, now when you think about this for a minute, you can trust God for eternity, but I don't know if I can trust him today because I'm not really sure that I know what he's doing. Now again, when I realize that nothing, now, you say, well, I, I can trust God as long as things look like they're going okay. As they're lowering Daniel into the lion's den. See? As they're getting ready to execute Peter as Herod saw how much it pleased the crowd when he executed James. They captured Peter and they were going to bring Peter out and execute him. And we find that God sent an angel and sprung Peter out of prison. Now, this is what the Bible is talking about. The just shall live by faith. I can live by faith for the future, but the challenge is now and today. And so we find that, he says, write these down. This is what's going to happen. This sin that the nation of Judah had fallen into because they had went after, actually, their wicked leaders, Manasseh and some of the others, uh, they now are bringing about a judgment upon themselves. So he says, indeed, verse 5, because he transgressed by wine, he's a proud man and does not stay at home. Because he enlarges his desires as hell, and his, like death, he cannot be satisfied. Uh, the Bible talks about hell is never filled. It's, 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 it's wide open. It keeps eating more. He gathers to himself all nations, and heaps up for himself peoples. Shall not all these take up a proverb against him, a taunting riddle against him, and say, Woe to him who increases what is not his, how long, and who loads himself with thick clay. Now, some of your Bibles say many pledges, but the actual is thick clay. 
Now, let's look at this real quick as we back up. Indeed, because he transgresses by wine, he's a proud man. Now, as we look back, we find that he was, the, the Bible here was definitely talking about verse 11. Let's go back to the preceding verse, uh, chapter, verse 11. He changes his mind and he transgresses, commits offense, imputing the power to his God. Now, it says, Indeed, because he transgresses by wine, he's a proud man. This is exactly what happened the night that Babylon fell. They got out the wine glasses. They were drinking wine, partying down. They were so drunk, the historians tell us, that somebody forgot to close the gate. And that's when Cyrus came in and conquered Babylon. Now, that's the inner gate. The outer gate was a bronze gate in which they diverted the uh, river around the city and broke the gates of brass. Actually, they had big bronze gates with holes in them, you know, just like a big gate. And the river ran through the bronze gates through the city. Beautiful river ran right through the middle of the, of the city. And he diverted the river around the city, which left the gates of brass exposed. The uh, you, you know, like giant screen kind of brass, you know, big, thick, round brass. And so they just took a uh, a ram, and they just kept bashing against it till they broke the brass apart, and then they all crom- climbed through, really, the bottom of the riverbed, and then went up into the city. And the uh, to get into the palace, there was another gate. That's where the guy was drunk and forgot to close it, and so they went in and, and uh, killed Belshazzar. So it says, indeed, he transgresses by wine. He's a proud man. He does not stay at home. Because he enlarges his desires as hell, like death, he cannot be satisfied. He gathers all nations to himself, heaps up for himself all peoples. Shall not all these take up a proverb against him, a taunting riddle, riddle against him, say, woe to him and increases what is not his and how long. Uh, it's exactly what happened. Uh, there, there, there was a time of reckoning. Uh, God used him for a while and then he, he turned on him. Now, we, we enter in then uh, to the woes. And there's, there's several of them through here that we'll see. Woe to him who increases what is not his and how long. Uh, there is a day of reckoning coming. It says, and to him who loads himself like thick clay. Now, the thing is, is his booty will become a burden to him, not a blessing to him. And that's a, that's always a problem when you get that far gone. Will not your creditors rise up suddenly? Will they not awaken who oppress you? It says, because you have plundered many nations... All the remnant of the people shall plunder you because of men's blood and the violence of the land of the city and all who dwell in it. Next woe. Verse 9. Woe to him who covets evil gain for his house, that he may set his nest on high, that he may be delivered from the power of disaster. Now, again, people think oftentimes that if they had that safety net of money, that it will protect them from disaster. But as anybody that you know has lived long enough to know that money does not provide for you the safety net that we want. It just doesn't. When your child is sick and the doctors come out and say, we've done all we can do for him. All your money doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you have $100 in the bank or $100 million in the bank. When they come out and they just shake their head and they say, we've, we've done everything we can do to save him. That's all we can do. Then whose is it? See, then whose safety net is it? See, it's God's. And it's amazing sometimes how God gets people's attention concerning things. Now, covets evil gain for his house to increase himself rather than really watching after the kingdom of God. I am convinced that the kingdom of God would be much further furthered if people sought after the kingdom of God rather than after themselves. One of the things that many corporations do 
is they will have people write a statement of mission why they are at their job. I don't think it's a bad idea. Why do you do what you do? What lights your fire? Why are you there? Why do you have your job? Well, I hate work, but I need the money. Pretty bad. You look at some of the employees. I, I listened to a guy speak one time, and he said that uh, one of the things that was written down in one of the uh, creeds of one of the employees was never point, always escort. person worked in a hotel. Never point, always escort. It's over there. Let me show you. Big difference. Why do you do what you do? And you know, these questions that we begin to ask, they, they can be quite troubling because the thing is, what, 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 what you about? And this is what this verse nine is about. You see, it was all about them. That he may set his nest on high, that he may be delivered from the power of disaster. Oh, I'm going to covet all this stuff and then that way I'm going to protect myself. Well, you can protect yourself from some things, but there's some things that you can't protect yourself from. And that's what's, that's really the bottom line. Notice verse 10, you gave shameful counsel to your house. And again, shameful counsel in that you thought money could buy the protection you need, cutting off many peoples, and then you have sinned against your soul. That's a very tragic thing. To substitute something in place of a relationship with God, you sin against your own soul. And the stone will cry out from the wall, and the beam from the timbers will answer it. It's interesting that... Um, that People, as they trust in their things, um, uh, time will still be the equalizer. Verse 12, it says, Woe to him who builds a town with bloodshed, who establishes a city by iniquity. Behold, it is not of the Lord of hosts that the peoples labor to feed the fire and the nations weary themselves in vain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Right in the middle of these woes, there's still a couple more to come, there is a promise that someday the knowledge of God will fill the earth. Because as we've been reading here, it's been the knowledge of man. More is better, more protects, all those things. Live for yourself, seek out your own thing, uh, you know, covet whatever it is to establish yourself. And here he's saying, no, this isn't the way you do it. This is not the way you establish. You don't establish a city this way. This isn't the way God does it. And he, furthermore, he says, in the middle of all this, there will be a hope that will come, that God will, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Verse 15, it says, Woe to him that gives drink to his neighbor, pressing him to your bottle, even to make him drunk, that you may look on his nakedness. Take advantage of him. <laughs> Looking on somebody's nakedness. Take advantage of him. Now notice it says, Woe to him who gives uh, a drink to his neighbor. I, I think that's just pretty good wise. A lot of people ask, you know, sometimes is drinking okay or whatever? Well, Enter verse 15 and draw your own conclusion. Um, I think it's pretty clear. You are filled with the shame instead of glory. You also drink and be exposed as the uncircumcised. The cup of the Lord's right hand will be turned against you as utter shame will be on your glory. And so it tells us here that um, people that try to manipulate others for their own uh, will be uh, brought into their own trap. It says, for violence has come to Lebanon the violence that's been done to Lebanon will cover you. Now, the violence that had been done to Lebanon was when the Assyrian Empire came in and smashed them and, and destroyed them and carried away their people captive. The people of Judah, because of Hezekiah, cried unto the Lord, and the Lord turned the invading Assyrians away from Judah, and then the Chaldeans came in 
and got in it to the Assyrians, and the Chaldeans won against the Assyrians. But he, but nevertheless, the northern tribes of Israel and Lebanon had already been captured by the Assyrians, which then became part of the Babylonians. And he says, the violence done to Babylon will cover you. Now, see, that was what, because of Hezekiah's prayers, stopped because he called on God and God intervened. But then his evil son turned against God and, and on down the line, the other kings that followed, which led finally to the conquering of Babylon against them. So it says, the plunder of the beasts which made them afraid because of men's blood and the violence of the land of the city and all who dwell in it. So uh, they saw what happened. It's going to happen to you. Verse 18. What profit is the image that its maker should carve it? The molded image, the teacher of lies, the maker of the moles should trust in it. To make mute idols? You'd think that the guy building the idols would know that what he's building is pure fraud. Okay, we're going to pour this hot metal in this little this little uh, mold and then pop out this little chunk of uh, hardened metal and this is a god. Really? So, verse 19. Woe to him who says to the wood... Awake. Now, calling it to awake to save them. That was the purpose of calling out to the idol. Awake. Save us. To a silent stone arise and teach. Behold, it's overlaid with gold and silver and there's no breath at all. It's just, it's, it's, it's a card. It, 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 it's dead. You're calling out to a little chunk of wood covered with, uh, with, with gold and silver and, and there's no breath in it. Now, all the way through the Bible, you find even back in Genesis where God breathed on the earth, the wind, the pneuma of the Holy Spirit. God breathes. But to them, there's no breath at all in the idols. But the Lord is in His temple, His holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before Him. So, we find Habakkuk then, after God's declared this judgment, prays for mercy. And the prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. Oh, Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. I guess so. I mean, God's declared that he's going to bring a judgment on them and upon Judah. So his reaction then, Oh, Lord, revive your work in the midst of your years, of the years, in the midst of the years, make it known in wrath, remember mercy. So, God, when you're pouring out all this stuff, remember your mercy, Lord. Ah, We need that. That's important. You never need mercy from God until you need mercy from God. It's a handy thing to have. It says, God came from Tinman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of His praise. His brightness was like that of light, and had rays flashing from His hands, and there was His power was hidden. This, these are interesting descriptions of God. And, and, and a matter of fact, what's interesting is when you look at the person of the glory of God, and, and, and this may help you sometimes when you read, You'll find where sometimes it seems to be a little hard to understand because it seems that, that as the writer is writing, he'll flash into the future, into Revelation, and then even into the millennial reign, or even into the, the New Jerusalem, and then he'll flash back to a temporary situation that's happening. Sometimes, all inconclusive, it'll, it will, it will cover what's happening now, what's going to be happening then, and in the future. Sometimes it's just certain areas. And you say, well, why is that? Why is the writer, when he describes God and these kind of things, so schizo that 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 it doesn't zero in on one particular thing and there's a there's i think an explanation for that is that god does not live in 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 time like we do he lives in all times present 
So when you look at God, you have to realize that as you look at God, you're looking at creation, you're looking at now, and you're looking at all of eternity in, in one picture because God does not live in time like we do. And time is very unusual concerning its relevance to even us as humans. Um, I think Chuck Missler did a very fine job in ex- explaining uh, time, space, and matter uh, that uh, if you go faster than the speed of light, which Einstein figured out, actually time goes backwards. Uh, they took two atomic clocks. They put them on one plane going east and one plane going west, and they took off and went the direction, and as they came around, the clocks weren't the same time. Now, they're supposed to hold time within just nanoseconds of one another, and yet, as they went around, the two clocks were different because the space and the time and the movement affects time. And that's not something that you and me are used to. Um, we, we become very acquainted with time when we're, oh, there's one minute till eight, and we're late to getting to work, and we're really floorboarding it to get there on time. We could become very aware of time, but yet when you're, you're, you're in your lawn chair, on a Saturday afternoon, drinking your iced tea. Time just kind of <laughs> goes into oblivion. I was asking some friends. This is true, and this is embarrassing. I said, what date is the 4th of July come on this year? And they said, the 4th. <laughs> I said, no, I mean, what day? Like Wednesday, Thursday. But time, it's different. And so when you look at God, you look at one of the attributes of God is, of course, His greatness and His holiness and His purity and all those things that the Bible tells us are, are attributes of God, long-suffering and kind and, and yet righteous and His judgments are true and all these things. But we also look that God does not live in time like we do. So when you look at God, when you describe God, you'll find these, these drift in and drift out, I think, sometimes of His holiness and who He is. And so it says, Before Him went the pestilence, and the fever followed His feet. He stood and measured the earth and looked at the startled nations. The everlasting mountains were scattered, perpetual hills bowed. His ways are everlasting. I saw the tents of cushion and affection. Now this seems to be now dealing with, with that which is right there. The curtains in the, the, the curtains of the land of Midian trembled. Was your anger against the rivers? Was your wrath against the sea? You rode on your horses and your chariots of salvation. Your bow was made quite ready. Oaths were sworn over your arrows. Uh, it, this is interesting. It talks. This, it seems to be describing when Jesus Christ comes back at the end of the tribulation period to execute vengeance upon those people on the earth who rebelled against him. You divided the earth with rivers. It's interesting as you see how you went from one, almost one end of the spectrum to the other. You divided the earth with rivers, going back to Genesis. The mountains saw you and tremble. Overflowing of the waters passed by. The deep uttered its voice and lifted its hands on high. The sun and the moon stood still in their habitation. At the light of your arrows they went and the shining of your glittering spear. Now here it's interesting. The sun and the moon stood still in their habitation. We remember that uh, that happened when uh, Joshua was fighting down below and, and uh uh, we remember that as they held up Moses' hands. It says, You marched through the land of indignation. You trampled the nations in anger. You went forth for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You struck the head from the house of the wicked by laying bare from the foundation to the neck. Now, it's interesting. You struck the head of the house of the wicked. Um, 
Some people wonder if this isn't directly speaking about when Moses, the last plague, when we remember he went through the land of Egypt, the, the death angel went through and struck the, the, the leader, the Pharaoh's own son. You thrust through with your own arrows. The head of the villages, they came out like a whirlwind to scatter me. Their rejoicing was like feasting in, on the poor in secret. You walk through the sea with your horses, through the heap of great waters. When I heard, my body trembled. My lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he comes up to the people, he will invade them with his troops. Now, it's interesting that when you have a close encounter of the real kind, there is that recognition that you're nothing and God is everything. Sometimes I'm always amazed when I hear people, well, when I die, I'm going to get together. I'm going to tell God, you know, wow. You haven't came face to face with any kind of reality of God's majesty. Because when you come, and you say, well, what are you talking about, Michael? How do you explain that? I don't know if you've ever been in a very severe earthquake where the ground is moving underneath you and you walk out of a house that's now got huge cracks in the walls and there's a weak, queasy feeling and you're just looking at your hands saying, am I still alive? Now this has happened to me, I know. I flew into California just for an earthquake and then I flew out. So the Northridge one. Um, anybody that was there knew that it was quite a moving experience. But as you realize, there's kind of almost, you don't know whether to cry. There's an emotional happening that happens there. If you've ever come upon a, a wreck where there's bodies laying all over, you know the uneasiness, you know the helplessness sometimes that you feel. People say a lot of things in pride. They make a lot of statements. Uh, well, when I get to heaven, I'm just going to tell God what I think. And, I, you know, and he sends me to hell. Well, I'll do. You see people talk that way, but they really don't and they're not thinking because they're speaking from a point in their life of comfort. But you know, you look at people that are on their deathbed. Or again, you see somebody that's went through a traumatic experience, whether it's an earthquake or a death of a child or whatever, and you realize how much it can reduce your boldness, you might say, or your arrogance to that of nothing. Well, when you get a good glimpse of the holiness of God and you realize what a worm that we really are, and again, as David said, what is man that God would be mindful of him? You go, wow, God, why did you ever love me? What a change. Uh, that God would love us. Bunch of goofball idiots we are. As we wrap up today's broadcast of It's Time, if you'd like to order a copy of today's It's Time, you can do so by dialing 800-357-4226. Again, that's 1-800-357-4226. Also, don't forget you can get the daily podcast through iTunes by searching for It's Time in the podcast section of the iTunes store. On behalf of Pastor Mike, the River Christian Fellowship, and all of us here at CSN, thanks for tuning in to It's Time. It's Time.